Lord, as we read the scriptures, we ask that they would make their way into our hearts and minds. I also pray that as, as Sunshine speaks this morning, that you would use her, that your Holy Spirit would be present in this place and transform us in your likeness. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Let's welcome up Pastor Sunshine together. I did it. First accomplishment of the day. Good morning. I, I really, really am super, super excited to be here. Um, mostly because I used to really, really love Pastor Lane. <laughs> used to. <clears throat> so Pastor Lane reached out to me, asked if I wanted to come and share, said we're going through a teaching on prayer. And I was like, I do that. Yes, I want to go. I want to come and share. And uh, so texted back and forth. Then he reminded me it was three services. And I was like, all right. Yeah, you don't ask an ADHD girl to do three services in a row. Squirrel. Um, and then yesterday, I get a text from him. And he's like, here's your details. We meet at 7.15 in the morning to pray. <laughs> what? 7.15 in the morning? I mean, I can come the night before. We could pray. Then we could all show up, like, coming in hot 5 to 8. Nope. 7.15. So, love ya. Um, no, so actually, I really am excited to be here. I really was excited to be asked. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that every single word captured in your word, in your Bible, Lord, is so powerful to transform us. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning as we learn together, I pray that each of us would be transformed individually and we would be transformed as a community. Lord, we thank you that it is you that does the work. And so this morning, we simply make the, uh, the decision to follow where you are leading and to be open to what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, as Pastor Lane was sharing, um, I've pastored for a long time. Uh, we were 25 years in local church ministry before we moved into regional and district work, and <clears throat> it's been great. We have loved it. Uh, although, if you've ever seen the life of a pastor and how challenging pastoring can be to pastor, well, y'all, um, try pastoring pastors. <laughs> Let me just say, you're off. No, actually. <laughs> They are awesome, and it's been one of the great, great joys of our lives to get the opportunity to pastor pastors for a number of years, but we truly believe that the local church is God's plan for reaching the world with the gospel, 
And we are so excited to be back at the local church, to be returning to the local church level and to get to engage in that ministry alongside of people, in, again, in a, in a different type of community. So if you think about us, pray for us. We don't know where we're going yet. So we're very excited. Um, but I'm a pastor. Now, pastors study the word and we learn how to study the word. And that is part of our training. But we are not always theologians in the truest sense of like the academy, right? Like, and, and do, like, did I learn ancient Greek and Hebrew? Well, I mean, I studied it. Uh, did I learn it? Well, um, but so when Pastor Lane had said, we're doing this teaching on prayer, I'm like, I'm going to the great theologians of the academy. And I'm going to see what they say. What is prayer? And so I got out my, all of my different books and my apps and my, all, of the, all the things. And it came right back to every theologian agrees, or the ones that I read, prayer is the simple act of communicating with God and connecting with him. Now, it's going to take a lot of different forms, and we're going to talk about a lot of different ones, but it comes down to the simplicity of communication with the Lord. And so I began to think about communication and how it's so diverse, right? So for example, I have a phenomenal relationship with my sister. My sister's awesome. She's only 11 months older than I am, but she is older than I am. Uh, and okay, you guys ready for her name? If my name's Sunshine, what is my older sister's name? Dawn. Uh, yeah. My favorite part of that story is my mom did not recognize that our names were like how they went together until you're we older. <laughs> she was like, oh my gosh, Dawn first, then Sunshine. And we're like, yeah, mom, thought that was the plan. <laughs> anyway, love that story. Anyways, my sister's awesome. She's also a pastor. She is suffering for Jesus in San Diego, California, where she runs a ministry <laughs> training school. <laughs> time for a visit. Although they're getting a lot of rain right now, so I'm like, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Um, okay, sorry. I do love her. She's awesome. We are super, super close, and we have lots of conversations. We talk and communicate all the time. And I was thinking about this one particular conversation my sister and I were having. We had to discuss a difficult situation. It was one of those situations that we both knew the other one felt pretty much the exact opposite as the other person. And we had to address it because of, of some circumstances. And it was very, very emotional for both of us. We were both going into it with a lot of emotion about this subject. And so because we are both pastors and we both committed our lives to the study of communication, we pulled out every tool in the toolbox for that conversation. You know the ones that when you're in therapy and your therapist is like, have you tried A plus B equals C statements? When you say A, it makes me feel B, right? And you're like, I am never going to talk like that. Nobody talks like that. Or things like, I just heard you say X. Did you mean to communicate Y? And then the other person says, oh, thank you for sharing how you heard that. I, you guys, literally four hours we worked through this extremely difficult conversation, utilizing every single one of those very unnatural feeling tools. 
And at the end of that conversation, we were able to work through the difficult issue, come to a place of understanding, hearing, and being heard. More importantly, we came to a place of deeper connection, and we did not harm our relationship because we utilized our tools. Communication with the Lord can be just as nuanced, there's the word, as communication with others. I have I actually listened to Pastor Lane's sermons from the last two weeks, and one of the things I loved is how he's talked about the, the prayers that are laid out in Scripture, right? Or he's talked about different liturgies that have been written over the years, and those can be very powerful and helpful tools. They may not always feel natural, and but especially when we're working through difficult things. I know there have been times where I've gone back to the common book of prayer and I have found prayers that have so beautifully stated what I felt like I needed to say. And I've used those even when they felt unnatural. But this morning, we're going to pivot just a little bit and we're going to talk about a little bit more of a natural form of communication with the Lord, something that feels a little more organic. And by, by the way, again, both so vital. So in the same way that my sister and I tackled that very difficult conversation using all of our tools, we don't normally talk like that. We rarely talk like that. I mean, yes, we have long conversations on the phone where we solve the world's problems, but the most part of our relationship is Marco Polo's back and forth where we talk about the latest true crime podcast that we're listening to, or sending silly memes back and forth to each other, or right now, our highest form of communication is we are co-curating a Spotify list with all the songs that we grew up with. So these are high forms of communication. But anyway, so in that same type of texture and nuance and difference that I have in those types of communications with my sister, our communications with the Lord can be very similar. It can have a lot of different texture and a lot of different variety. And so we're going to talk about one of those uh, this morning. Um, I love, as we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four tellings, four different tellings of the, life, the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. And during those, one of the things we get to do is we get to observe the way that Jesus interacts with different people, friends, family, followers, um, critics. And through that, we get to learn both what to do and what not to do. We get to see Jesus as he conveys and communicates the Father's heart to humanity and we get to see humanity's response to that in all of its different varieties. And so, can I say that we learn just as much from the people who blow it as the ones who get it right? And this is why, as a body of believers and as a group of followers of Jesus, I want to encourage us not to always hide our failures. I'm not talking about airing dirty laundry here. But I'm saying that don't be afraid to allow others to learn from your mistakes. That's just a little side note. Anyway. Uh, so, one of the people we get to learn from in Scripture is Peter. And Peter is a guy that gets it wrong just as much as he gets it right. I mean, Peter is the poster child for swinging for the fences. 
he is, he is either hitting home runs, grand slams, bases loaded, miraculous, or he is striking out and going down in a blaze of glory. Peter is rarely anything but those two things. And so I love to read Peter, uh, the, the accounts of Peter because I relate to Peter. I know that when we get to heaven, my husband and probably Pastor Lane will be hanging out with Paul, the great theologian of scripture, right? And they're going to be asking all these questions. They're going to be having very intellectual conversations. And I'm going to go hang out with Peter because I get him. Like, I see him. Um, Anyway, so, but we do get to learn as much from Peter's successes as his failures. And in the scripture that uh, Pastor Lane opened and previewed for us. Um, this, there's this conversation that feels very awkward between Jesus and Peter. Like, that's an awkward conversation. Hey, Peter, do you love me? He's like, uh, you know I love you, right? It's an awkward conversation. But this is not Peter's first awkward conversation with Jesus. Peter has a history of awkward conversations with Jesus. Peter and his brother had been following Jesus since the beginning. They're two of his first followers. And they, at this point of this awkward conversation, they've been with him for like three years. They have seen it all. They have done it all. They have heard it all. And he has had these great Grand Slam moments and these down in a blaze of glory moments. One of my favorites, like Peter's big moment in Matthew 16, verse 16. It's this moment where Jesus asks the disciples, so who do you say I am? And who do people say I am? And Peter says out loud with his mouth words, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, yes, nailed it. I mean, what he actually says is, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Grand slam, Peter! Right? But don't worry. Verse 21's coming. Verse 21. Because right from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. The word made flesh, the one who was there at the creation of the earth. That's who Peter takes aside and rebukes. And he says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but only human concerns. Ouch. Swing and a miss. See, We would think that, you know, being called Satan by Jesus, who never gets it wrong, uh, (laughs) might be your lowest moment, right? I mean, for me, I think that would be my lowest moment, but not Peter. (laughs) He gets to the, he gets to rock bottom and boy, starts digging. (laughs) And so we're going to look at John's telling of this account out of John. We're going to start in uh, chapter 30. 13. Why are we going to John? I love John. I love John's gospel. I love that John spends the entire book getting little jabs at Peter. I love that John refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved. 
I love that John feels the need to point out to us that he beats Peter in a foot race to the empty tomb. I'm going to hang out with John in heaven too. So, and we're going to look at chapter 13 right now. Verse 37, Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he's just explained to them, look, I'm going, this is going to be bad and you can't follow me where I'm going. And Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. Now, that's a pretty heavy moment, right? Stern warning from Jesus with his mouth words. And so I'm going to assume that Peter's like, okay, I've heard you, Lord. I will avoid this at all costs. Not our boy, Peter. No, no, not our boy, Peter. And so we'll pick up the story later that night. It's chapter 18, starting in verse 16, and Jesus has just been arrested. And the other disciple who was known to the high priest, theologians don't know who this is. I like to say that it's John because I think that it's John saying, look, and I was known to the high priest as well. I don't know that that's true. Um, came back. The other disciple came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. Aren't you one of this man's disciples too? She asked Peter, and he replied, I am not. Swing and a miss. And then verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. Strike two. And on uh, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had just cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. Strike three. Here Peter had boldly declared that if everyone else left, he would be with Jesus and he would die with Jesus. And it is mere hours later that three different times to three different people, he's like, nope, not one of his people. In fact, when Matthew tells the story, he says that, that he denied even knowing Jesus. And here is Jesus about to be executed by crucifixion, a horrific way to die. And this person who said, I am so loyal to you, denies him and rejects him in that moment. And I think about that pain and, and that brokenness of relationship, right? And I think, that's it. It's over for our guy, Peter. That's broken relationship. You don't come back from that one. But see, that's not Jesus. Jesus is all about forgiveness and restoration of relationship. It's kind of his thing. And so Jesus invites Peter to restoration. But as is so often the case with Jesus, he does it in an unexpected way. And he comes at it a little bit differently. It's not long after Jesus has died and literally been raised back to life 
And the disciples have gone, a, a group of them of about six, have gone back to fishing and they're in a boat. And one of them looks to the shore and he says, whoa, isn't that Jesus on the shore over there? And they have this encounter with Jesus where Jesus does a miracle. He's like, have you caught anything? And they're like, no. And then there's the, you know, the hunter. And if you're a fisherman like my husband, he gets really stuck on this detail about how many fish they caught and how long it would take. And anyway, I don't care. I just cook it and eat it for me or cook it for me so I can eat it. That's all I really care about. Um, anyway, so, but he and uh, Jesus and Peter are going to have a little talk, but not the talk that we would expect. So it's this awkward conversation that Pastor Lane started our service with. John 21, verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. See, it's one of these moments where we get to observe this interaction and we get to see Jesus model the heart of Father God towards someone who had so desperately failed. Failed in big and pretty important ways. And it is this conversation, remember we talked about prayer, is the simple act of a conversation and connection and it is in this conversation that teaches us so much about who God is and about how he invites us. So the first thing that I observe in this conversation is it's a conversation that starts because Jesus initiates it. He's the one standing there on the shore and starts chatting with everybody. And I love in verse 7, it says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is... John, uh, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Peter literally jumps at the opportunity to be with Jesus. He literally jumps out of the boat. I also kind of notice the fact that he puts on his coat before jumping out of the boat. Now, I grew up as a competitive swimmer. And um, the first thing you learn is you don't put on your coat before you jump in the water. Not real efficient use of energy. But, you know, it's our guy Peter, right? But I love this, that Jesus invites him. He sees Jesus and he jumps at the opportunity Peter is not allowing his failure from keeping him from getting to Jesus and having a conversation with him. He's also not allowing the circumstances of the moment keep him from getting to Jesus and having a conversation with him. The fact that he jumps out of a boat 
<laughs> the fact that he puts on a coat before he does. These are circumstances that make it difficult, but he chooses to go and to engage in this conversation. And it made me think as I was observing these things, what are the areas that are keeping me from communicating with Jesus, communicating with God, spending time with him? Are there things that are failures, things that I'm a little ashamed of, that are keeping me? Are there things, circumstances, that get in the way? And today I feel like the Lord is inviting us to set those things aside the way Peter did and get to him to engage in those conversations that he is initiating with us. The second thing I observed was that it's during a quiet, intimate moment that Jesus asked Peter a very unexpected question. Now, if it's me, I'm going to ask a question like, so is there a reason you denied me? Um, hey, we should talk about that thing where you did the thing, which wasn't so great. But that's not the question Jesus asks, is it? He also doesn't go to Peter and say, hey, Peter, you really blew it. I need you to ask for my forgiveness. That's not here. Jesus asked the unexpected question, do you love me more than these? It's referring to people, right? To all the things. He asks him, not because Jesus needs to know the answer to the question. It says, even in the scripture, that Peter says, Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. He asks because Peter needs to know the answer to the question. It is the understanding that he still loves the Lord and is still truly committed to him above all else. That is his repentance in this moment. It is where we see a shift in his heart and his attitude by answering the unexpected question. I love that they're not talking about Peter's failure. They're talking about his future. So many times in my life, I have spent all of my time and my energy focused on my past and on my failures when the Lord was inviting me to come and see his heart for my future. Let's not waste that time. Yes, we need to have repentant hearts. Yes, we need to repent. But then we need to move forward. And when the Lord invites us, when the Lord asks us to that place, it's there that we get to discover how do we really feel. Only in those times of prayer do we discover something about the Lord and the way that we view him is in those times of prayer. The next thing I observed is that this time spent with Jesus is where Peter got to exchange his reality for Jesus' reality. <laughs> In the same way that Peter had denied Christ three times, he gets to reaffirm his commitment to Christ three times. He gets to exchange his failure for God's plan. 
He gets to exchange his past for the Lord's future. See, the incredible thing about Peter is that in chapter 13, when he's making this bold declaration, I believe that Peter wanted to believe that about himself. He wanted to be the guy who could go the distance, right? And it's from a, a, probably a good heart, but a prideful heart. Jesus hadn't asked him to die with him. That was Peter's idea. That was Peter's plan. Jesus invited him to him to be with him, but he hadn't asked him to die with him. That was Peter's plan. And so that plan, that boastful, prideful plan of a broken man gets exchanged because in this moment, Peter gets to respond, respond to a heart of love with a heart of love in a humble and submitted way. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But he gets to hear the Lord's plan. He gets to exchange his prideful boast for a humble admission. And so there's this incredible moment where in verse 18, Jesus goes on to say, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. See, in, the, in ver, uh, chapter 13, Jesus hadn't asked Peter to die with him. But here in chapter 21, he's sharing with Peter a glimpse of what his future is going to be. And that Peter is going to not only die, but he's going to die in a way that glorifies God. In fact, 31 years later, history tells us that Peter would go on to be executed by Nero. Uh, church tradition and history tells us that he actually chose to be crucified upside down on a cross because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus did. That's not the same guy that pridefully boasted in chapter 13, is it? This is a truly transformed man. <clears throat> One of the things that I find so interesting about Peter and his life, it is after this exchange, this conversation that transforms him, we see a very different Peter portrayed in Scripture. I'm not going to say he didn't make mistakes. I'm sure he did. not going to say he didn't sin. I'm sure he did. But Scripture does not record any more strikeouts for Peter. Peter really does become the rock that the Lord predicted he would be. Prayer is an interesting thing and in that it's a verbal exchange that creates a supernatural and spiritual exchange. We get to exchange our brokenness for his healing. It's in prayer that we get to exchange our view for the way things are or should be for his view. 
It's in those moments when we pray in these unstructured and sometimes uncomfortable and awkward ways that sometimes we have to face questions that we don't really want to face that we get to exchange the broken things of this world for the truly holy, beautiful, restored things of the Lord's way. And it is in these exchanges that we are transformed. It's quite fascinating. There's a neurotheologist who knew this was a thing, but he's actually a, a doctor, a, a true, an actual doctor of neurology named Andrew Newberg, who's been studying the brain for decades. And one of the decades-long studies he's been participating in has been the studying of brain folds in prayer and stuff like that. And, and they say that, that con- the concept is that times of prayer repeatedly in our lives lead to increased brain development, increases folds or something like that. And, and I find these studies... so. Whether or not the science pans out doesn't matter nearly as much as what we as the believers of Christ experience on an everyday basis. That what the word promises and we walk out every day, that miraculous exchange when we spend time in prayer, just chatting, just listening, facing sometimes uncomfortable conversations, but we are transformed. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, but we're going to go into a couple of moments. We're going to go into a couple of moments of quiet contemplation. And during that time, some of us are going to ask the question, what's keeping me from being with you, Lord? What are the things that I've allowed to get in the way, whether it's failures or circumstances? Some of us are going to ask the question. We've known there was a question, but we haven't wanted to ask him. And we're going to say, okay, Lord, what's the thing you're asking me right now? I'm ready. Even if it's an awkward conversation, let's have it. And some of us are going to ask the Lord what we need to exchange in prayer today. What in our lives, our perspectives, our understandings, our actions, are we going to exchange our ways for his today? So, worship team, why don't you come on up? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over us, then we're going to have some quiet time, and then Pastor Lane will come back, and he will lead us in communion. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that your perspective and your way is always better and that you are continually and repeatedly inviting us to that. And so, Lord, I pray that as we take some time and we quiet ourselves and we escape the distractions of this world for just a couple of moments, Lord, I pray that you would speak and that we would respond, and that we would be transformed by that exchange. In Jesus' name.